Listen, we've got skyrocketing inflation, over $33 trillion in debt, that's trillion with a T, war in Ukraine, and now war in Israel. How much worse can it get under this leadership? That's why thousands of hardworking Americans are diversifying their savings with precious metals like gold and silver. I personally bought some precious metals, and I got them from the top-rated company, Gold Co. Gold Co. has helped countless Americans like you and me place over $2.5 billion in gold and silver. They're rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. They've earned over 5,000 five-star reviews. They're a seven-time Inc. 5,000 winner. And that's just a few of their accomplishments. Right now, for listeners of this show, Gold Co. is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver. That's right, $10,000 worth of silver, but only while supplies last. Go to goldco.com slash bill to learn more. That's goldco.com slash bill. G-O-L-D-C-O dot com slash bill. Diversify your savings with gold and silver before it's too late. Hey, welcome and welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. We hope to have thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, Mm -hmm. addressing the existential threats to America. We'll catch up with Byron York today, columnist at the Washington Examiner. Byron York, thank you so much, and welcome back. Uh, Busy days here in the Capitol. Um, I'm inside the Beltway at the moment. You are smack inside the Beltway yourself, right? We we both have an inside the Beltway mentality. Uh, Isn't that okay? Now we just lost half the (laughs) listeners. Son of a gun. Why'd you do that? All right. All right. We, we think they know us better. Um, we have a new Speaker of the House. Tell me I've about heard. that. Well, I mean, the, the, I guess there are two two good things about that. One is it stopped the embarrassment and the misery. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. The three-plus weeks that Republicans spent um, after the ouster of Kevin McCarthy looking for a new Speaker. So that was good. Um, second is, uh, you know, I, I thought that the early performance of um, uh, Mike Johnson was actually quite good. His um, his the speech he gave uh, upon, you know, taking the, the office uh, was very graceful and uh, a very good speech. So, um, you know, early indications are good. He, he he's nowhere near as experienced. Uh, as Kevin McCarthy was when he became speaker, uh, or as Newt Gingrich was when he became speaker. Um, but on the other hand, given the circumstances, I think Republicans can be fairly hopeful. Yeah. What was the word you used about it? Graceful? Is that what you said? Graceful? I thought it, I thought it was a graceful speech, yes. I, I did too, and I think he is. And I've listened to him before uh and liked him i think he's very intelligent uh what's yeah. the background is he lsu is that right yeah uh, he's from, uh, shreveport louisiana went to college at lsu and went to law school okay LSU. and you know have we ever had i know we haven't a situation where the top two republicans in the house the speaker and the majority leader are from louisiana oh uh, interesting steve scalise right Right. Yep. Right. Now, the Democrats have attacked him uh, for a, a number of positions. Yeah. Uh, I think this is actually quite interesting. Um, the morning, you know, remember the, the morning where it looked like uh, Republicans were uniting behind him. I tweeted, uh, you know, a lot of Democrats 
liberals and their allies in the press have waked up this morning filled with conviction that the greatest threat to American democracy is Mike Johnson. Um, And I, I, listen, that was very prescient. I want to read um, just, just something that just came out a couple hours ago, a tweet uh, from Greg Sargent, who's a liberal writer at the Washington Post. Um, And he was uh, quoting another um, liberal writer at, uh, on the web said, um, Democrats need to define Mike Johnson right now. Republicans won't pay much of a price for electing Mike Johnson unless Johnson is understood at a population level to be a malign actor. So destroy him now before they can do anything. Right right before Halloween, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't come across as malign. No, of course not. Whatever whatever you think. I mean, he's, uh, I watched his interview with Hannity um, and, you know, a, a, a kind of gentle approach and graceful and sophisticated, uh, good vocabulary. And, and again, very smart. I, I, you know, I've heard him on various measures and bills parse it pretty closely and, and pretty, pretty thoughtfully. So I, I, you know, how many times can they do this, you know, threat, this, this horrible. I think they can do it an infinite number of times. You do with effect. Yeah. And I, I think the evidence is on my side. <laughs> Have they yeah. ever not done it? Have they ever said, well, you know, this Republican is really pretty reasonable. We're not just going to go out of our way to try to destroy yeah. it. Seems to have worked, too, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, in recent elections and so on, yeah. And um, so you have the, the MAGA takeover, uh, the malign influence, uh, yeah. Okay. So well, will he last? Will he last? Well, and you what? know, I, who, who knows? Um, one thing I thought was interesting is you did see what Kevin McCarthy calls the crazy eight, the, uh, eight Republicans who initiated the effort to, uh, oust McCarthy and then joined with Democrats in doing it. Um, they basically seem to be for anybody. Um, they were for Jordan. They were for Emmer. And then they were for Johnson. Um, and you know, it may be that they just wanted to take a little heat off themselves for having caused this whole drama. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I mean, they they're don't appear to be in the mood to do that again right now. So, you know, my guess is he, he, um, he makes it and all the way through next year's elections. And then after that, he, can, he might take over as a minority leader. We'll see. Yeah, what well, what about that? I noticed in the interview I watched. Uh, what's the, what's the advantage now? Is it two? How, how, what, do the, what do the Republicans have? Just flat, straight out number of Republicans. Is it two nineteen oh, um, or two twenty? It's two twenty one. Two twenty one. It's two twenty one to two twelve. That makes four thirty three, and there are two vacant seats right now. And he said in the interview. It's very close now and could get even razor thin closer. Yeah, could. Because because of what? The worry about some races coming up that are likely <laughs> well, to Well, I know, blue. you know, maybe, you know, maybe George Santos actually oh, yeah. did something and has to leave. Santos left, they'd be down to 220, meaning you could lose only three, actually two. Um, well, if you lost two, you'd be, you could only lose three. Um, votes and still pass something. So it's... Um, 
Can't the Democrats? Can't they? Can't they get the Democrats? What his name is? A Jamal Bowman who pulled the fire alarm and well, he's for, a, forgot he did it or didn't do it. Or, well, you know the new video that came out. Yeah, he did it right as it came out right as he was pleading guilty to this misdemeanor. Uh, the new video made it clear that it was entirely intentional. It wasn't yeah. an accident. He wasn't trying to get out. Um, yeah. You know, he set the alarm and walked off, not through yeah. the door. Wasn't so, wearing a Halloween mask either. Yeah. So it was just a very, very clear case. And uh, he got very nice treatment from uh, the Capitol Police and the Justice Department. But let me go back to something you said, which I hadn't thought about. Is there, there an expectation or a bet or a odds-on assessment that uh, – the House will, will go back to Democrat next fall? No, is um, I was kind of being a, a okay. joke. Cassandra? Much of a joke. I mean, if you look at the generic ballot, I was going to say Cassandra rather than joke. A Cassandra. Okay, uh, yeah. If you look at the generic ballot right now, uh, Republicans have a one-half of 1% lead in the generic ballot. So it's, it's tied. Um, what's that going to mean? I mean, obviously next year is a presidential year that has an effect. There's a lot more turnout than in uh, mid uh, off midterms. So, um, you know, we'll see. But certainly Republicans thought they were going to win pretty big in 2022. I thought they were going to have probably a 10 to 15 seat majority in the House. Ended up being four. Um, so, you know, I, I certainly don't think there's any reason a Republican should be confident that there's going to be a Republican speaker after next year's election. This abortion thing is playing it still is. to Democrats' favor, too, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's not going away either. Um, it's, you know, I, I think that, and, you know, you were familiar with this through the decades of conservatives yeah. uh, seeking to overturn Roe. Yeah. Now, if I remember, I'd like to, you know, I'll check your memory. My My memory is that, most of them wanted the issue uh, sent to the states. They felt that was the constitutionally legitimate thing to do. Um, but, you know, you have to think, well, the next step, if you do send it to the states, is you're going to have political battles in the states. Yeah. And the most liberal states might have even more liberal abortion laws than nationally under Roe. So, um so you, you got to think that through. And that's where we are right now. Um, it's it's a fight and it's in, on people's mind in the states, which means I think that it will be a presidential issue as well. And it will, to some degree, I don't know how much, hurt Republicans. Yeah, I know you bring up a great point. I hadn't really thought about it a lot. Um, take New York, which doesn't have the numbers it used to have, but still very big. California, which is overwhelmingly big, yeah, just flat out number of abortions could increase because, you know, we talk about this Democrats being the pro-abortion party. They almost are really pro-abortion, not just yeah. that it should be allowed, but you should do it. I remember someone wrote a few years back, it went from, you know, uh, what did Bill Clinton say? Safe, but rare. Safe, legal uh, and rare. Safe, legal and rare to you know, safe and legal to safe and permissible 
uh, safe and a good idea to safe and sa- almost sacramental yeah. uh, uh, to come that kind of status. And yeah, you, you get a loosening up of the laws in New York and California so that you can abort what up to the moment of birth or yeah. after. Yeah. And you may have the number of abortions actually increasing we as a result that. of this Supreme Court decision. Is that the point? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons we've seen more and more conversation among conservatives and Republicans, certainly in the 2024 Republican presidential race, talking about some sort of national law on abortion. Um, so would there be a 15-week ban or would there be a six-week ban or whatever? Would, the, would it be uh, health of the mother and all the sorts of stuff? Um, but uh, well, You know, can I interrupt you for a yeah. second? Sure. I just think that's dumb as hell. I mean, I, you know, after after saying Roe was wrongly decided, yep. and after after the Supreme Court says let the states decide, Republicans up and say, "Well, go, we're going to federal law." Now that you know the the, the the Supreme Court decision didn't forbid federal law, but it suggested, you know, pretty strongly that this was a matter for the states. That yeah, well, and that was the whole argument. I mean, yeah. That was- the whole argument during the I, I remember you know, you the nineties, the aughts, the you know, it was it was just always the argument which is the constitutionally legitimate answer is to send it to the states because there there is no reference to abortion. The constitution does not cover abortion. And so with an issue like that, you send it to the states. Now it doesn't mean that Congress could not enact a law about it. Right, sure. But the the problem was it was just politically impossible to do so. So send it to the states. Now now with the states liberalizing abortion laws uh, or adopting a Roe-like abortion law, you know, you have Republicans talking about a national law on abortion. So I don't think they really meant it when they thought it was most properly a state matter. Well, they should have. That's what I mean by stupid. They should have. Yeah. This was really the way the way out, though it has its problems, as we've just discussed. And you somewhat less than gracefully, and I say that with with you know real trepidation to you, t- mentioned that what was my memory through the decades. Yes. And I get. And I guess I guess you're right. I've got decades on it now. Yes. Oh yes, I remember. <laughs> 1931. Right. Yeah, I remember. A decade is ten years, and oh, I know, I know, multiple decades. I have them. I remember when I went back to a cabinet meeting with Ronald Reagan, and I said I visited. Yes, he said, "Bill, where you been?" I said, "I visited a school in Osgood, Idaho," and um, no member of the cabinet had been there since nineteen oh three, and the principal said oh three. <laughs> and, Ronald, and, and Ronald Reagan said, oh, yes, I remember that visit very well. You know, <laughs> a very quick guy, that, that Reagan. Yeah, I, I just want to say one other thing, which is quite apart from not thinking this through or not. And, and also Republicans haven't come up with a good answer. I mean, I keep hearing that the public's about evenly divided on this topic. But the answer Democrats are giving seems to be 70 percent, you know, in favor they're not evenly divided on the topic. I mean, they're in they're favor not they're not legal abortion. Yes, okay, but they would public what would put limits on it. Yeah, well, I mean, anyway. they, you know, the interesting thing is on on abortion, the anti-abortion forces had over the years built up a whole series of limits on abortion 
that they felt got them closer, you know, to their goal of one day outlawing abortion. But they, you know, parental consent was a huge, yeah, yeah, huge yeah, development yeah, because yeah, yeah. it pulled extremely well in the 80 percent range. So people mostly uh, um, approved of that. And so they they felt that they had they had and the Hyde, Hyde Amendment. Right. The Hyde Amendment using taxpayer dollars uh, to pay for uh, abortions. So they felt that they had really worked around the edges of the issue somewhat effectively. But all that went out the window, too, you know, uh, when you threw away uh, Roe. Now, when I remember, and this is through the decades, uh, t- thinking about it and talking about it. And remember a long conversation I had with Bill McGurr, and you know Bill, I know, yeah. at the Wall Street Journal, he Catholic as I am, a better Catholic, I think, probably much more observant. But yeah, I remember he 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 persuaded me because I said I don't, I don't know where to go on this. Um, but not only you know constitutionally, as you said, this was the right solution, but politically, yeah, as Bill put it, it was the only solution, the only way, the the most difficult issue in American politics, I think domestic politics. The only resolution of it is not to resolve it for the nation once and for all, but to let it be settled in the States. But that was a, a, a very much a political consideration, a concession well, to di- a concession to differences Yeah, that, well, uh, that, well, that are unresolvable, simply unresolvable. Right. Right. And that, and that's, I think, you know, probably true, except yes. the, the problem is, one side thinks it's murder, and you don't really compromise with murder. That's right. That's right. And so that that's just that's just never going to be solved. But I I think that I think the one thing, and this is the way I started this conversation, is that uh, those people who wanted to send it to the states um, have, I think, had a dog that cart the car problem. Yes, because they maybe didn't really think through enough the political debates that would set off in the states because the states would would then be responsible for abortion law. And um, it would set off huge political properly. So set off a big political debate in the states and they were going to lose a lot of those debates. Yeah, there could be more abortions as a result of the Supreme Court decision. And, you know, the weird thing is in the bad old days when the Supreme Court made law when they legislated from the bench. The whole Dobbs case, if I remember correctly, involved a Mississippi law that would have had a 15-week abortion ban. Yeah, yeah. And And John Roberts wanted to just make that the law because he likes to he likes to legislate from the bench. Um and the and the Biden administration says no 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 we can't do that we have to have a we have to have a ringing endorsement of Roe v Wade and Justice Alito said well if you want a big decision on Roe v Wade we can give you one um, and they did good and hard but uh, if, if John Roberts had had his way we would have a 15 week abortion law embedded in the Constitution across the land which is exactly what Republican uh, uh, candidates are calling for now, except pass through Congress, which they can't do. So, you know, it's it's really a messed up situation. I miss that. I must say I miss that. John Roberts wanted that. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to, I mean, he didn't want to uh, overturn 
Roe. Um, he, you know, felt, I think, probably correctly, you know, that this was going to set off a huge political uh, brouhaha in the country. And he was absolutely happy with the court adopting the Mississippi standard here. And that that wouldn't set off a huge brouhaha? Well, you know, I'm sure the the pro-choicers would have been mad about it. But, um, you know, it's been pointed out, you know, a 15-week ban still, I mean, almost all abortions still ha- happen before 15 weeks, or a lot of them happen before 15 weeks. So I wouldn't have touched those. Right. This is that's the DeSantis standard too, isn't it? Yeah, DeSantis. You know, well they they did six weeks in Florida, which he signed. Um, and now six weeks is something that. Oh, uh, oh, I'm wrong. Then it was it's six weeks in Florida. Yeah, he's. I believe, wow. I believe legislature in Florida passed, and DeSantis signed a six week bill. Um, and it, you know, I am I right? Was that before his reelection? Didn't hurt him uh, getting reelected, but. I think a lot of the Republican candidates now are moving toward 15 weeks if, if they support, you know, a national law at all. And, you know, Nikki Haley has a very good argument saying, are you serious? Do you really right. think we're going to no. get this? You know, you have to have 60 votes in this. Yeah, not, a, not a chance. 60 votes in the Senate. And then, by the way, if the president is a Democrat, you're going to have to have 67 votes to overcome his veto, I mean, get real. It's not going to happen. So No, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's dumb, and I think it's also, you know, inconsistent with what the court was doing, but en- en- enough on that. It's hurting It's hurting the Republicans. It will hurt them uh, in 2024. It is, but, you know, a lot of pro-lifers saying, well, look, how many how many million babies have we saved? I mean, it, okay, it's it's been politically difficult, but it was really about saving lives and not, uh, you know, getting that third seat from uh, Michigan. So um, I think a lot of pro-lifers would say, you know, it's been rockier road than they thought maybe, but the goal is the goal. But the numbers may prove otherwise. Well, they may lose. I mean, Republicans are going to, oh, oh, you mean with more abortions yeah. in the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we'll have the to, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it just hadn't been long enough to see exactly how it's going to work. But you're in, you're exactly right. It could be because if blue states get bluer and abortion you know, laws get looser, you know, and can I, can I go off on another tangent? When you yes, say blue, when you say blue states get bluer, um, I think that's one of the huge problems in our politics now. Um, and for this reason, when blue states get so when when California specifically gets so blue. It becomes hard for a Republican presidential candidate to win the popular vote, the national popular vote. Uh, after the 20, I guess, 16 election, um, uh, Michael uh, Barone, the great Michael Barone. I remember. He did a piece. And 49%. He about, you know, for 100 years, from the 1860s to the 1960s, New York was the biggest state in the country. And in its presidential elections, it never varied more than 5% Democrat or 5% Republican. And as yeah. such, it didn't really skew the national results in any of the popular vote in any great way. But California, I can't remember Michael's numbers now, but California is, goes far, far more to the left than New York ever did. Um, and what it means is, you know, 
Hillary Clinton's entire popular vote margin was California, right? And um, so we're going to have more situations where a Republican candidate can win the presidency because of the Electoral College, uh, but lose the popular vote because of California. And that is going to diminish popular confidence in our electoral system, because you do not really want a bunch of presidents who didn't who lost the popular vote. It's, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a terrible situation. And I, I don't know what to do because California is becoming so incredibly blue, even though especially, you know, and whatever red people there are in California are moving to Texas. Well, I, I was going to say, if you add up the number of people moving to Florida and Texas uh, and North Carolina and further south, does that begin to approach the number of people in California? No, I don't think so. It's it's not like California's going to be empty. It's really yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not empty. But I mean, a lot of people are moving to Texas. I think well, you know, California may lose. What do they have? Like fifty-five electoral votes now. They have fifty-five congressional districts. I, I can check that right now. Um, you know, they may lose one or two, but I don't think it's going to be beyond that. No, no, I'm not saying that they will lose, but that certain red states will gain. Well, will Texas and Florida's gain in population? Yeah, yeah. Begin to approach California's number. Um, actually, you know, California has 52 now. How many does Texas have? Texas has 38, looks like. And Florida? 28 congressional districts. So 28 right. seats in the House. All right, well, you got 38 and 28. Is that what you said, Florida and Texas? Yeah. All right, that's 66. So it's more than California. But Florida's not as red as California's blue. No. My main point, uh, which is that it's really hurting to have states yes. weirdly, unnaturally uh, blue, to have the biggest state in the union that way, yes. is, a, is a real problem. You know, yes. and... Some of that transfer te- transformation is because of immigration. Um, so it, all sorts of policy issues are. Yeah, and I wonder if Texas will become more blue. I mean, they always well, think it's going you know, blue. Texas, um, I, I should know more about. I mean, obviously there are people, uh, there are Hispanic Americans who've been living in Texas for 300 years, you know. And yeah. There are, there are uh, Hispanic uh, Americans in Texas who've been there a very, very long time. Um, and so they're they're not going to turn the state blue tomorrow because they've been voting in Texas forever. No, but um, even re- even recent immigrants said, you know, Texas is, believes it has something in the water and in the culture that makes people more likely to be Republican, Hispanic. Yeah, and, they, and they may not. I mean, that may not really be true. We'll, we'll have to see. Well, I want to segue to Donald Trump here. Um Trump didn't campaign much in California, did he? California? No. Yeah. You know, I remember. Because he knew this, uh, right? Yeah, I remember, you know, years ago, obviously, the the first uh, candidate in our lifetime to be elected president while losing the popular vote was George W. Bush in 2000. And he lost the popular vote by about 500,000, if I remember correctly, to Al Gore. Uh, And there was this moment so Bush is running for re-election in 2004, and there's this moment in the campaign where he's he campaigns in New Jersey, and he campa- campaigns in another couple of places where there's not even a chance he's going to win. And, you know, you think, what's he doing? 
well, he's trying to win the popular vote. <laughs> you know, it's it's because because not winning the popular vote um, really diminishes the legitimacy of, of a president. I mean, it's just all there is to it. Yes, you're the legitimate president. He won the Electoral College. That's what the Constitution calls for. But still, you know, if more people voted for the other guy, that's not good. Plus, if there's cheating. <laughs> well, that too. You think they'll be cheating this time? Well, well, let's, leave o- let's leave open the question whether there was last time or not. Well, we look, I think the... Um, um, I noticed Mike Johnson, by the way, has often said that the last election was stolen. Well, the thing, that, ma- the thing that a lot of Republicans refer to when they mean election interference it's a series of laws, you know, that loosened security restrictions on voting that made that allowed ballot harvesting that uh, had states just flooding the state with blank mail in ballots. You know, in, uh, in Houston, Texas, they had 24 seven drive through voting. Um, there, there were all sorts of things that made voting less secure and tip the scale toward them toward democrats that, short of short of uh pulling she, a, a box yeah. out in the middle of the night yeah and you know and there was a situation where the supreme court in pennsylvania just on its own extended the amount of time uh for mail-in ballots to to be counted uh just on its own completely unconstitutional right because the legislature and makes that was the, the rules. case that was the case. I thought the Supreme Court should have stepped into. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, me too. Why didn't they? What the, what the hell? I don't know. Well, the, the, there wasn't a majority. I mean, Justice Alito wanted to do it. I think I think Thomas wanted to do it. But um, I just I couldn't figure out why they didn't do it. It's just so obvious that the states, you know, the state legislatures make the election laws, make the rules. Right. But anyway, uh, so there was a, there were a lot of these things going on and. Republicans either didn't pay enough attention at the time or they didn't work hard enough to try to stop them and overturn them. You know, I think you could say certainly tactically Donald Trump's biggest mistake in in 2020 was to um, reject mail in ballots Um, because in the weeks before the election, Democrats were banking millions of votes through mail-in balloting and through um, early voting. And Trump was emphasizing the election day. There's going to be this giant red wave on election day. Um, And it was the stupidest thing maybe he ever did um, because these other ballots were legal. They were, uh, the other side was using them and Republicans were giving up uh, a possible advantage okay. by not using them. So um, a lot of time, you know, afterwards, then Republicans said, well, they, they cheated, they cheated. Well, they, you know, they used what was legal, which was mail-in balloting. Obviously, ballot harvesting, at least in my opinion, shouldn't be legal anywhere. But if it is, Republicans need to do it. There you go. That's my that's my ballot speech. Is he going to be the nominee, Republican Party? I don't know. Um but, you know, uh, I looked the other day, his, um, you, know, you know, the lead that he has is just, you know, insane in terms of actual politics, in terms of just anybody's uh, experience with politics. He has a 46.5 percent 
percentage point lead over Ron DeSantis. Trump is at 59.1%. The number two candidate is is 12.6%. Okay, he has a um, 50.8% lead over Nikki Haley. The surging Nikki Haley is more than 50 points behind Trump. So why do you say you don't know? Oh, because because there's so many uh, variables coming next year, which is basically all of his trials. And we'll just see how that how that goes. It could be uh, that, you know, putting him on trial actually hardens his support, maybe even expands his support. And uh, or it could be that some of his voters decide or some of the persuadable voters decide that, you know, it would just be better not to have him. So the only reason, the only reason I say maybe is that because you do have this situation where um, um, he's been indicted four times and we're going to have a bunch of trials in an election year. Well, I mean, you know, he's fined by the judge. He has an outburst in court, uh, a lot of things and nothing happens to that 59 percent. That's right. That's right. Um, Doesn't go, now, now, what effect do you think? A lot of the people who were close to him are flipping, right? Um, oh, you mean in the trials? Yeah. Yeah, you had, uh, you've had his, well, I mean, Kenneth Chesborough is not close to him. You know, you can say he's kind of the architect of of what, of, of the uh, uh, strategy, contingent elector strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, Sidney, Sidney Powell was on his team for a while. He, he denied it, but, you know, she was. But, you know, he thought she was crazy and he was he was right. Jenna Ellis worked for him. Definitely. So, yeah, some of the people who were I mean, not his but, top people, but yeah. yeah but, but what's with Mark Meadows? I don't know. You know, we've had this. Um, what's he doing? This, uh, we've had these reports that he's, you know, made a deal. He's got an immunity. He's been talking to prosecutors. His his um, lawyer says those are not accurate, but. And and we haven't had a lot of other news organizations do, uh, uh, duplicate uh, ABC's reporting. On the other hand, you know, uh, you know, lawyers they'll they'll look at a statement and they'll see one inaccuracy and they'll say the statement's inaccurate, and it may be mostly true. So I, I don't um, actually know what's going on with with uh, Meadows right now. You got a guess? Well, um, you know, he really, really, really doesn't want to get indicted. Um, so I mean, hey, he really, really, really doesn't want to get indicted. And unlike the others, he was really, 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 really close. He was. He was involved in everything. And, you know, I have to say part of the part of my big problem with this is that as far as January 6th is concerned with Trump, I don't believe the things he's accused of are actually crimes. I mean, I, I don't believe yeah, the things yeah. that he did are crimes. I don't think that all things that are bad that you don't want to repeat or that have baleful political consequences. I don't believe all such things are, are in addition crimes. Yeah. Right. So, right. you know, there you go. But the prosecutors uh, are being very, very aggressive. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, he's convicted, goes to jail. I don't, at this point, I don't think it makes much difference. I really don't. You mean in his support? Yeah, I, I, re- I really don't. So you think no. he could win from jail? He could win the nomination from jail. Yeah, can he win the general? I, I don't think he can win the general in any in any case because 
because there's just too many Americans who don't want to vote for him. Yeah. I think it's just clear. We conservative Republicans all know a lot of people who say, sorry, Bill, I just I just can't vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. And the the thing is, we've been talking about the Republican nomination, which is an entirely different thing from the general election. And I just think that um, uh, too many people don't want to vote for him or vowed not to vote for him for him to get elected. Now, I will say, um, you know, you see so many characterizations of Trump supporters, Republican supporters, as people living in some sort of cult or, um, you know, this MAGA cult. But, um, you know, they look back and they see an economy when Trump was president, which treated them better, in which they had more money. Oh, yeah. They had more purchasing power and they could buy a house. And then they look uh, at the world just blowing up and going to hell under Joe Biden. And they say to themselves, that didn't happen when Donald Trump was president. And he's happy to say that, too. And it's, you know, their view that things for them and mostly for everybody else were better when Trump was president is not a crazy idea. It's not irrational. It's not racist. It's not in any way a nutty idea. So there are going to be people who vote for Trump if he's the nominee for entirely rational reasons. But those people in the middle who decide elections don't look to be looking favorably to Trump. No, no, I don't think so. Whether it's abortion or I just can't vote for Donald Trump or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that's what I think, too. All right. I think we can leave it there. Uh, And I will search my decades long memory. Decades. (laughs) Guys, a guy said, I've heard a lot about being 80. And the funniest thing I've heard was a guy said, if you wake up when you're 80, if when you wake up and you don't feel any pain, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a lot of 80 jokes now? That's good. I do. I do. I do. I do. Okay, Byron. Thank you very much. As always, so much fun and (laughs) so smart. So smart. Always enjoy it. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Have you ever longed for a five-star sleeping experience right in your own bedroom? Hey, it's Bill Bennett. I want you to discover the secret to luxurious sleep with Cozy Earth's bamboo sheet set. It was endorsed as one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Now, please excuse the superlatives, but they're deserved. Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced temperature-regulating bamboo viscose bedding is a game changer. Our bedroom now feels like a lavish retreat with Cozy Earth's comprehensive collection. It's not just sheets, folks. It's also pillows and blankets. And each night that you lie on these is a kind of regal invite into a kind of kingdom of comfort. See the superlatives? One almost feels wrapped in style every night making each sleep a five-star experience. Mrs. Bennett, Elaine, agrees as well. The comfort of Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced bedding is, in our experience, unparalleled. It's a blend of classic charm and modern luxury. So don't just sleep. Indulge in a realm of comfort with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Now, here's a special treat. 
Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive discount for my listeners today. Get up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code BILLBENNETT at CozyEarth.com. That's discount code BILLBENNETT. Please come explore CozyEarth.com for the latest in bedding and use the code BILLBENNETT. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Well, that does it for today's show, Claude. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter. Well, do you want to go Twitter first? Well, on X. On X. Well, we all still call it Twitter. Twitter or X. William J. Bennett. William J. Bennett. And you can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. You know this pretty well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. He's not looking at anything. No. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and your friends. We will catch up next week.